0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show. On today's episode, we're actually replaying Alex Bates's episode uh, from this past Monday. There was a bit of confusion and my mistake with some audio. That is the reason for the Shola replay and then today for Alex's replay. Both episodes are amazing, and I just want to ensure that you guys don't miss anything. So, I really hope you enjoy today's podcast. Thank you all for those who updated me that the audio wasn't working. It is a great episode, and hope you enjoy. Today's review of the day comes from Patrick KF. Great job, Colin. Lots of really good information to keep on grinding, and the variety is outstanding. Thank you so much, Patrick. Love the review. If you want to be featured on Review of the Day, all you got to do is leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much, everybody, for your continued support. Before we jump into the show here, everyone, I want to talk to you about this amazing new platform that I've been learning on called The Great Courses Plus. This is basically an online platform where you can educate yourself on truly any topic from history, finance, food and wine, science, health, travel, professional development, and of course, business. If you want to learn about something, it's probably in there. I've been using this for about a month now, and honestly, it is helping me so much. The cool part of this platform is that the professors are award-winning experts in their field. So unlike other platforms, say like Udemy, which really anyone can build a course, you know. At The Great Courses Plus, you're learning from experts. These professors are from top universities like Harvard and they have so much valuable information to share with you. This past week alone, I learned about topics like finding meaning in adversity, building a better vocabulary, and mastering stage presence, but I seriously recommend you starting with critical business skills. If you're someone who is wanting to start a business or who is in the process of starting a business, I know from experience the importance of building that solid foundation for success. In the same way, when you're learning a sport, the fundamentals are the most important skill you must learn first. Everything builds off of that and it's no different in business. To make it even easier for you, you can learn either by watching videos or downloading the free app and you can listen to them like a podcast, which I really enjoy. It's so simple, you can listen driving to work or while you're cooking dinner. So you truly have no excuses. I've worked out a fantastic offer for all of you listening here to The Daily Grind, offering you a full free month of unlimited access. Here's the deal. You must sign up today and you must go to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash grind. Again, thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash grind. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Again, today we sit down with Alex Bates. Alex is the managing director of Neocortex Ventures, an angel investor, and a member of Peter Diamandis' Abundance 360 network. He's experienced in anything from leading DARPA-funded research in neural networks to applying analytics for the world's largest data warehouses at Teradata to creating MTEL, a machine learning company acquired by Aspen Tech. Today on the show, again, we talk about AI, the future of AI, and how you can start preparing yourself for the future today. I really hope you enjoy this interview, everyone. And without further ado, please meet Alex Bates. Well, Mr. Alex Bates, welcome to The Daily Grind. How are you?
1: Fantastic. Great to be with you here today.
0: Absolutely, Alex, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, say for some people being first introduced to you today, Alex, just uh, speaking a little bit more of who you are and a little bit more of who you, what you do. Sorry.
1: Yeah, well, I um, had a long passion, actually more of an obsession with um, artificial neural networks, and which has morphed into this burgeoning AI industry, um, but in particular, um, a combination of kind of neuroscience and machine learning technology. And so I did a did an AI startup and got to really see how humans interact with AI, which kind of fueled some of my current interest in this new area called augmented intelligence. And uh, yeah, built an AI company, sold it, doing some investing now, and looking at some uh, some new opportunities.
0: Wow. How long ago did you get sort of an interest in, in all of this?
1: It's interesting. I think there were a couple just sort of imprint moments in my childhood. I mean, my uncle was a physicist and mathematician and we'd always talk about um the philosophy of mind and things like that but mm-hmm. he always seemed to know these human stories of the the mathematicians and people that had come up with some of these discoveries and so i really got interested in that that was probably my on ramp to it and then bumped into a textbook in a library on artificial neural networks which was this hot area back in the in the 90s that's now kind of morphed into this whole you know machine learning so yeah, I'd say it was just kind of a coincidental thing during a developmental window of encountering the subject.
0: Wow! So back in the '90s, like, how old were you when you when you encountered that textbook?
1: Well, it's really interesting. I mean, in in middle school, when I was transitioning, that was around sort of '89 '90. Okay, is when the internet was just coming out, and this is before the kind of World Wide Web and browsers. But suddenly, at your fingertips, you could download thousands of journals and articles and textbooks. Um, technically called private uh, piracy now, (laughs) but (laughs) back then it was kind of the world's information at your fingertips and just got obsessed with it. Kind of dabbled in some electronics, but, um, but yeah, so it was partly discovering all this stuff and then, and then going back and studying computer science and math and that kind of thing.
0: Got you. So I'm looking through your website here and right at the top, it says we're on the verge of becoming superhuman. Um, can you talk a little bit more to that and what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So for me, there's a lot of really, I think, a lot of fear surrounding artificial intelligence right now yeah. you know, for understandable reasons. And obviously, the, the Hollywood narrative and, and sci-fi tends to be very dystopic. And we hear about this new AI kind of space race happening with military organizations heavily investing in it. So, I mean, there's it's understandable. But I think what's what's been really missing is, is more on, on the vision side of, the uplifting potential to really unlock us. And so when I say superhuman, I mean actually ironically becoming uh, by transcending our human li- limitations. In a sense, we can become more human. But a lot of us, I feel like, are, are not fully living up to our potential and, and are actually buffeted around by distractions and things we don't want to be doing. And yeah. it's a chance to truly uh, transcend all those limitations.
0: And so, speaking of, like, I'm fascinated with that. Can, can you, like, in terms of speak layman's terms, say to the people listening, in terms of, like, what, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, well, a couple of concrete examples. So, people have their, their work lives and their personal lives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us maybe have a couple of things we're really passionate about. Very few of us are able to really devote as much time and energy as we want into the things that we truly find the most fulfilling. We're more like buffeted by a lot of, uh, yes, things that are just menial, low level and, and distracting and, and just take away from our kind of energy. So what if we could be unlocked from the low level, menial stuff, really put time into what we're passionate about and find fulfilling, more creative pursuits. And I, I think it would fundamentally change the distinction between personal life and what we're interested in and, and work life, where it, the, probably the 40 hour work week will actually disappear.
0: Really? Wow, that's amazing! And and how far away do you think we are from that?
1: So it, it's definitely there's some stepping stones to figure out in that path. So it sounds a little bit utopian right now. I do think that, I mean, there's there's some basic talk about universal basic income right now, but I think that's really more of a stepping stone. Okay. Um, I think a key thing is, is once we evolve higher up this kind of ladder to a post scarcity era where, it's not yeah I mean, obviously, now we do have challenges with the environment and some things like that. if If we can actually apply technology, solve some of those to where there's much more abundant energy and computation and so on, then then suddenly we're we're all unlocked from more like a desperate struggle economically to pursuing more more creative so in terms of exactly how long, I think it'll be a number of milestones to to get there. Mm-hmm. so I couldn't uh, give an exact forecast. I know they've already been piloting basic income in a couple areas, but I'd say in the next 20 years, we already know that 50% of jobs in the U.S. are going to disappear. Um, wow. You know, just be obsolete. So I think there'll be a couple rocky points, but ultimately a very uplifting thing when we figure out the new economic model.
0: So knowing that, like knowing that people know that 50% of jobs are going to be replaced by this, like what are some things that you could be doing in order to sort of prepare yourself for that to be happening?
1: It's a great question. I mean, right now, I think one of the key human strengths that sets us apart from AI is creativity, but more specifically, we have these eureka moments and sort of epiphanies where we're just, often we're in like a mind-wandering state. Like yes. the famous example, right? Archimedes in a bathtub, and all of a sudden has this eureka moment, and his <laughs> case runs down the street naked. Don't necessarily recommend that. But, you know, you you often it's it's giving yourself time so but what's interesting is what preceded his eureka was about 10,000 hours of focused and concentrated study in his subject area that he was interested in so i think one thing people can do is find out what you're passionate about and, and but spend the time to develop true expertise in that subject and and then you sort of prime yourself to have these epiphanies and eureka moments Now, looking ahead, like what subject do you pick and how is that going to evolve? Um, I obviously I would look at the areas that are least likely to get automated, like low level tasks are are, are going to be, you know, higher risk. So there's going to be other areas that are emerging that are uh, much more sort of amenable to the human gifts and strengths.
0: Totally. And you had mentioned and it's funny you had mentioned this, like there is a narrative about AI and like people like me who's not involved directly in it. We're frightened by it, but like I don't really know why I'm frightened by it. I think it's because people tell you to be frightened by it, and we see, like you said in movies, how we think that it's going to take over the world and we're going to be the peasants. Like <laughs> I'm sure that that's probably slightly far fetched, or, or it, could that actually happen?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting working closely in machine learning and AI and seeing kind of what it excels at. One thing it actually has done for me is given me insight into the human gifts, which right now are so far above and beyond the capabilities of AI. And I think what's interesting is those are really not well understood, and there's little awareness of Mm -hmm. that. So mostly what we hear about is every week we hear about a new breakthrough in AI. We never hear, for example, that human mathematicians, 60 years after the first automated theorem prover, which was invented in 1956— it's still humans that dominate math, not AI. So this is really? sixty years later. Wow! You would think AI would absolutely, if any, if there's any subject AI should be good at, it should be math. And yet, yeah. humans still are at the pinnacle of math. And and that was one example. But we still like the way we have these these eureka's that advance fields like math and all these other areas are 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 really. I, I don't think they're well we don't have awareness of it. And I think that's just starting to grow and will help us understand our, our real role in this next chapter.
0: Mm -hmm. So, so as we're moving towards this and say in the next 20 years, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, What kind of impact do you see AI having on small businesses?
1: Small businesses. Interesting. Well, no question. It's going to touch every area of business. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of them, Will be a little bit transparent where there's just more intelligence baked into some of the tools that you use Um, i do think that right now if you look at the way decisions are made there's there's a lot of areas where they're maybe based on uh, inefficiencies or things where there isn't data and and sort of quantitative approaches so certainly we're going to see much more data-driven approaches on the other hand i think human relationships will become more important sort of human trust and relationships in terms of there's certain things that you can measure with data and certain things that you, you can't. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be like more of a, of a combined thing, but for small businesses right, right now, I mean, the things that are probably the, the sort of hottest in terms of machine learning adoption, anywhere where you, you have large amounts of data. So things like real estate is being radically transformed the marketplace of uh, supply and demand as you get much more information. We're kind of moving closer to the perfect marketplace concept in economics where there's that much information on both sides and it's going to change the supply-demand dynamic, right, where both sides are armed with much better information.
0: Gotcha. Do you see something like based on your experience because you ran a business, you sold the business successfully, and you're an expert in this. So obviously, I mean, you're around business. You know how they work. Um, is there something that businesses should be working at right now or looking out for which can sort of prepare them for all this? Like, is there something that they should be doing right now, maybe just educating themselves on the topic, I guess?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't think everyone needs to really, you know, learn, sort of take machine learning classes. Anyone that's passionate or interested about that certainly um, should take the opportunity. But I think if you look at business this idea of expert augmentation is going to become key one, one of my investment theses right now is that augmenting humans is a huge untapped uh, area so most machine learning applications just look at data and labels and look at how can we make a prediction engine and you can certainly get a lot of value from that but a totally different lens is what are the people in the work process how can we augment them what are the strengths and weaknesses what are the worst part of their day-to-day jobs and that's a fundamentally different lens, and any, any small business can start to look at you know what are the the people, and maybe look at some of the best people in your company, but look yeah. at the, the the where do they struggle the most, and how can we augment them?
0: Mm. And what is aug- like for people listening or like, I don't even know what augmentation is. What is like when you say augment people," what does that mean?
1: Yeah, great question, because it's like all these terms, it's people use it probably in different contexts uh-huh. I you hear about augmented reality, some people think about that. Augmented intelligence in particular is the idea of, of, of just instead of replicating human intelligence in an external AI system, it's, it's augmenting an additive sense. So let's say that you had um, an AI agent or assistant where any, anything that you did, any activity, you measured the combined intelligence of you working with that tool or that agent. Hmm. Most of us are brought up to think that if we use a calculator or a computer on a test, it's cheating. And this is a fundamentally different concept. It's the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So us plus an AI assistant or agent um, operating at a much higher, you know, eventually superhuman level.
0: Yeah. And kind of what you had said previously, it's kind of funny as we move towards this, our sort of basics of who we are as human in terms of just being able to communicate with one another. Like just the basics become so much more important.
1: Yeah, I think the human, I think actually in a sense, I mean, a lot of us in our day to day work life, you know, we struggle through commuting to work and then we're constantly distracted by notifications on our smartphone. We have a backlog of email, we're, we're trying to think through our to do list, and then maybe we're in a meeting and we're not actually able to be present in that conversation with the people in that room mm-hmm. because we have this huge distraction machine. And we have all these emails and notifications we think we have to respond to, so we're caught in all these open loops. It's not a great model, so I would say most of us right now are almost working in a dystopia in their current workplace. Yeah. So huge opportunity to unlock from that. What if you could truly delegate a lot of that, and then you could be more present with the people in the room when you're actually conducting that kind of interaction?
0: yeah and you know we hear it from people all the time but so many people struggle with it because you just go to an event or you sit down at a restaurant and you see everyone's on their phones um even go to dinner with friends and everyone's on their phones people like it really is becoming an addiction um not just sort of like a convenience i have my phone here people need it in their hands right now
1: it's so true i mean carl sagan used to have this thought experiment that if if a if a if a foreign life came to Earth and started zooming in with a satellite, you'd see these boxes moving around, which were cars. And as you zoomed in closer, eventually you'd see there were people getting in and out of these boxes. But if you zoomed in closer now, you'd see everyone slavishly looking down at this electronic smartphone. And then you might think, oh, maybe it's the smartphones that are the actual intelligent life. Yeah. But I mean, that you walk through the airport and everyone's kind of got their head down and bumping into stuff. And so I think in the next generation of technology, the opportunity is is to do something more empowering and lifting. I think the smartphone and social media have been much more of, of a distraction that kind of set us back a little bit.
0: Yeah, it, it really is funny, though, because, you know, we know that like I recently got a dog and this is sort of off topic, but it's sort of on topic. But when we go for a walk, say, down in the park or during a trail and we pass people, everyone's just enjoying where they are you say hi but the minute you go into a high traffic area like an airport or like a grocery store it's head down don't talk to me and the phone is almost an excuse to do that
1: Mm-hmm. so true it, it's almost made us more i don't know if introvert is the right word but just certainly um living in our world and trying to filter everyone else out and sort of missing some of those human connections.
0: So based on that, are, are there some things that, that you practice on a daily basis which help you sort of not be the person who's always on their phone and ensure that you get done what you need to get, get done and, and are always sort of taking a step forward, so to speak?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I'm exploration phase of what the next chapter could be. The good parts of it certainly are the ability to connect with your social and professional network and not lose those ties and keep, you know, keep up to date on what people are doing. So mm-hmm. it's hard to, for me, I don't advocate just completely unplugging. I know some people that do that, and I, re, I certainly respect that. But for me personally, I can't I can't really take that step. So I'm trying to figure out what the right balance is. Where um, I do, for example, have things like blackout periods where. I free myself from it. And I literally, when I do, whether I put it on, uh, you know, sort of airplane mode or just leave it in my room and walk around or get outside, I, I feel like a physical shift almost in my, yes. my chemistry happened. And, and so I, I think it's important to do that. I don't know the exact amount of time. I'm kind of experimenting with that myself, but I think, you know, there, there is some kind of going to be some balance that we'll figure out in that.
0: Yeah. I I completely agree. So, I mean, for you, Alex, I mean, not only did you start a business, you ran a business successfully, you sold the business. There's a lot of people listening who want to accomplish that. What would you say to early stage entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur? Like what's a piece of advice or one or two pieces of advice that are just critical um, to run a successful business in your opinion?
1: Yeah. I mean, a couple things you'll, you'll hear pursue your passion, but for me, one example of that is, I was extremely passionate about neural networks and sort of neuroscience. I ended up going into an industry of of the industrial manufacturing and process industries. If you rewound when I was a kid and say so you're going in that industry, I I probably would have wouldn't have believed you because I had no background or interest in it. But actually, I had to put in the time to learn about this this industry to find a good application where you know we could actually deliver value. So. One is definitely find out what you're really passionate about, what you're going to be willing to do all nighters and mm-hmm. those those nights where you're you're soul searching at 4 a.m. going, why am I doing this? You know, barely keeping the lights on here, um, <laughs> making no money, and everyone else is working less hours and enjoying a work life balance. So <laughs> you need to make sure you're really passionate about it to get through those those kind of low points. But at the same time, you also have to put in the work and really learn about maybe an industry or an area that maybe at first it wasn't your passion, but yet the combination of your passion in an industry might give you that, that combined value proposition as well as your passion.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm a big believer in that and proponent. Cause you know, I think passions and you could probably attest to this, like they change. Like for me, mm-hmm. when I was young, I was super passionate about sports. And even though I still am, your passions change. And as you do things and as you experiment, You find new passions, and I think a lot of people, the big mistake they make, and I would love to hear your your sort of input on this, is they wait to try to find their passion. So if someone doesn't know what that is, if someone doesn't know, you know, what would I be willing to work for for 15 hours? If you're sitting there waiting for that to just pop in your head, you could be waiting a long time. You have to be actively looking for that.
1: I'm such a big believer in that, really. Mm -hmm. Immersion and experimentation is essential because, yeah, I totally agree, sometimes your passions change. Sometimes you are surprised to discover a new area that really kind of piques your curiosity and you just roll up your sleeves. And that certainly happened in a lot of areas for myself. And sometimes you'll be exploring something that seems completely like it will never have any economic value in surprising ways. It'll come back later and you'll find economic value. I mean, the classic example was Steve Jobs studying calligraphy at Reed University before he dropped out, and then later developing like different types of sans-serif fonts that actually leveraged that mm-hmm. that class, which at the time he thought was totally useless, um, at least as far as his future. But yeah, so giving yourself, so doing that exploration, doing looking into experimenting with things that you think might not. Peak your interest, but you might discover new interests. I think that's, that's a great, uh, great approach.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Alex, one question I love to ask, you know, people like yourself is I'm wondering if you could go back in time and maybe sit down with a 20 year old version of yourself and not change anything, but offer a piece of advice or piece of guidance for you. I'm wondering what that would be.
1: That's a, yeah, that's a really interesting thought experiment. I mean, for me, I never really lost sight of my sort of interest and obsession with this field of neural networks even though we went through several ai winters and and i I just thought i knew there was this immense potential that would Mm -hmm. eventually materialize but one thing one thing might be uh you know not worry so much about things whether it's exactly when you're going to have some financial success or what the competition's doing but really just dive deep into that into what you're doing and you know, continue to keep that focus. People talk about fail fast. I, I actually think that there's a good version of that and a bad version of that. Okay. The good version is be okay with, with pivoting within the scope of your vision. But I don't like the version where you literally give up on what you're doing and do something else. I, agree. So I think it's important to keep, keep some continuity in what you're doing. And I would encourage, I would encourage myself to, you know, not lose sight of that. And, uh, and also just to not, not worry so much about what everyone else is doing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, yeah. They should change that. I like the way you put it. They should change it from fail fast to pivot fast.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Because <laughs> I, th- I I think we, we're at a time where you know people love to say, oh, I, f- I failed all the time. I failed all the time. And they put so much emphasis on it. But I also think that there needs to be a big emphasis where if you want to win, you have to be used to winning. Because I come from a sports background, you can't just start winning. You have to build up those steps in order to do that.
1: That's that's a really yeah that's a really good point about the mindset. Like you don't want to sort of institutionalize failure because like whether you're trying to quit something or adopt a new mm-hmm. behavior, if if you think you've failed too many times, you just sort of uh, absorb that, and that's that's not a good a good model. <laughs> yeah,
0: that becomes your comfort zone. You get it. Um, <laughs> Alex, if people wanted to reach out, connect with you, learn more about what you do, follow along on your journey, where's the best place they can go?
1: Well, my uh, kind of core investing website is neocortexventures.com. And then I also have a website just that covers all my various writings and and interviews so on at um, alexbates.ai.
0: Awesome. I will share both of those links to make it super simple to connect with Alex. Um, now, Alex, the way we end the show here is uh, we're going to give you the floor, and you have the opportunity today to share with our audience the thought of the day. So, one thing or one thought we can all go home with today.
1: My thought of the day is: if if you build solely from a, a position of fear, you're gonna you're gonna almost like attract yourself to to negative outcomes. So to really whether you're thinking about adopting AI or whatever you're doing with your business, to think what is the uplifting potential, what, what could we unlock for our customers, for people you work with, and to focus on more on that positive vision than on the, the, the negative aspect of it.
0: I love that. And as you can see from this interview, everyone's success is driven by passion, hunger, and today pivoting fast, not failing fast. Everyone has to overcome obstacles. Everyone has a story. Start building yours today. Today, we had the chance to sit down and speak with Mr. Alex Bates. Alex, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and coming on the show here with us today.
1: Colin really really enjoyed it yeah thanks so much for having me
0: thank you the pleasure's all mine and everyone if you like today's episode you found value in it please subscribe to the podcast drop us a comment we'd love to hear your thoughts also share this out with your friends until next time Colin Morgan signing off and always remember to keep on grinding yeah.